from the Center for European Reform. This is the CER podcast. Posons-nous sérieusement la question de l'avenir que nous voulons et ayons tous ensemble le courage de le construire. Für uns in Deutschland ist das Bekenntnis zum vereinten Europa Teil unserer Staatsräson. A strong united Europe is a necessity for the world because an integrated Europe remains vital to our international order. This is the moment for Europe to lead the way towards a new vitality. Hello and welcome to the CER podcast. I'm Catherine Pai. Clara Marina O'Donnell Fellow at the Centre for European Reform, and I'm here with Luigi Scazzieri, Research Fellow at CER. We're delighted to be joined today by Natalie Tocci, who is Director of the Istituto Affari Internazionali in Rome and Special Advisor to EU High Representative Josep Borrell, as well as being a member of CER's Advisory Board. Today we're going to be discussing Italy's new government, led by Mario Draghi, former European Central Bank President, who Luigi wrote an insight about earlier this month. We'll be hearing what Natalie and Luigi make of the new government, and then discussing its prospects, and finally, what it means for the EU. Let's start with your thoughts, Natalie. Some have characterised Draghi's government as a failure of politics, given that political parties were unable to find a way ahead after the collapse of the previous coalition, forcing Italy's president to call on Draghi to try to form a government. Do you agree with this? I would say that the uh, Draghi government can both be, and, and that the establishment of his government can both be read uh, as, as yes, indeed, a failure of politics, but, but also the result of political dynamics. So yes, very clearly, it is a government that emerged because of the failure of the previous government um, to essentially come up with a plan, uh, particularly in relation to um, the uh, recovery and, and, and resilience funds uh, to by Italy uh, from the European Union, uh, that the political system in general um, considered to be adequate. And in particular, as the months went on, and as on the one hand, it became increasingly obvious that the Conte II government was and would have been unable uh, to deliver uh, effectively on what many rightly consider to be the opportunity, not even of one lifetime, probably of several, uh, for the country. So on the one hand, that was becoming increasingly obvious. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the attempt by prime, former Prime Minister Conte to concentrate power into his own hands um, also generated all sorts of um, sort of grievances amongst various politicians and, and political parties. So, yes, indeed, uh, it um, you know the emergence of the Draghi government uh, can be read as a failure of, of politics. Uh, at the same time, I would say that um, it is also a government uh, that. Uh, has emerged as a result of politics, uh, because uh, although, yes, it is true that um, the uh, Draghi government came into being uh, upon uh, the call from 
President Mattarella, but at the same time it is very clear that it is not simply the President of the Republic that uh, called upon Draghi uh, as the sort of uh, technical saviour of, of Italy, because ultimately the Draghi come, government came into being as a result of uh, an exquisitely political dynamic, insofar as in particular former Prime Minister Matteo Renzi essentially catalyzed uh, the crisis. So I don't think that the Draghi government can simply be seen as the result of President uh, Mattarella, yeah, sort of, you know, deciding top down that politics had failed. Uh, It is very much the product of a political dynamic within the parliament itself. And on top of this, I would also add that the Draghi government himself can actually not be really considered a technical government at all. So yes, it is true that in key technical ministries, uh, from the economy to the sort of ecologic uh, transition, from you know justice to education. Yes, indeed, it it features technical ministers. But beyond those, um, most ministers, the majority of ministers, are actually political rather than technical. Uh, and I think that the choice that Prime Minister Draghi made uh, is actually a very wise one, because although indeed political ministers may be on one level sort of quote-unquote less competent than technical ones, but I think they have the added value of making this government far more politically stable, because obviously the more political it is, and therefore the more rooted it is in Parliament, uh, the more stable it will end up being, and and therefore the more able to deliver um, not only a good plan, but actually ensure that a a recovery and resilience plan is actually properly implemented. And for that to happen, it is key uh, that a government in Italy is not purely technical, but it is rather political. Luigi, what do you think? I I agree. I think the fact that political parties were unable to agree on a way ahead on their own after the collapse of the Conte II government, in a sense, was a sign of the current state of Italy's party system. But that's why you have a precedent to create consensus and break deadlock. And that in itself is actually a deeply political process. And ultimately, political parties were able to find an agreement, were able to find a way ahead. And we now have a government of national unity, which as Natalie mentioned, is is supported by all the main political forces in Italy. Um, And I think also many of those who see the government as a failure of politics are worried that their recourse to a non-politician as prime minister entails, necessarily entails, delegitimization of the political system. And this risk, I think, is very much mitigated by the fact that even though Draghi himself is not a politician, he does lead a political government. And Luigi, what do you think of the makeup of the government and how do you read the fact that the League and Five Star, two parties who used to be quite Eurosceptic and anti-elitist, now support a government led by former president of the ECB? Have they moderated their stance or is this just a tactical move? So on, on, the, on the makeup of the government, as Natalie mentioned, this is a mix of, uh, of politicians and, and non-politicians. So in that sense, quite different from what was perhaps... Uh, what we might think of as a very similar government, namely Mario Monti's government between 2011 and 2013, which was made up only of technocrats. So by by inserting politicians in the government, you ensure that the political parties supporting Draghi have a stake in in its success and aren't simply uh, able to to criticise it from the outside. 
on the five star in the league, I think the five star is is a party in in deep crisis. It, you know, it defined itself as being against the political system, against elites. But once it was in power, um, many of its MPs and supporters realized that they actually liked power quite a lot, and it was only by being in power that they could actually advance their social and environmental uh, agenda. But uh, they're split between a, a pragmatic wing that wants to remain in power and defend these achievements um, and, and the more militant wing that basically wants to return to the purity of opposition. And uh, many of these lawmakers have actually refused to support Draghi. So the Five Star has changed a lot, uh, you know, because, because of this split, but it's also lost half of its support in the, in the process. So even in a positive scenario, I think its influence will be very much reduced. On the league, just a quick thought is that when external observers outside Italy think of the league, often it is as a um, as the stereotypical uh, right-wing populist party. But it's always had a more moderate wing that was focused on pro-business interests in Italy's northern regions, which uh, some of which the party has governed for a very long time. And it was this wing that persuaded Matteo Salvini to join in part so he could manage, uh, have a say in how the recovery fund was managed, but also because I think they managed to convince him that by remaining out of government, he would actually lose influence. Um, I think Salvini, the fact that the League joined the government will mean that there has already been a slight change in rhetoric towards the EU. There's more constructive and slightly less critical tone, but this isn't really, or I don't really see this as a lasting change of heart and um, I think Salvini will continue to voice skepticism whenever he feels this, this benefits him and he'll be ready to leave the government if he thinks he can, he can benefit from it. Natalie, do you agree? So on the Five Star Movement and the League joining the government, uh, I guess my reading is slightly more optimistic than Luigi's. Um, I think this is actually a key point here. I mean, beyond policy, it is the political impact of the Draghi government that I think is going to be really consequential. Um, and the political impact in particular as it relates to the two uh, formerly anti-establishment parties, namely the Five Star Movement and, and, and the League. Uh, so on the Five Star Movement, uh, the question is, to what extent is the emergence of this government going to consolidate what we have already seen as being a split uh, within the Five Star Movement, uh, in which there is one part of the movement, I would say the majority of the movement, which essentially accelerates uh, its transition from anti-establishment to establishment uh, and essentially kind of morphs eventually into uh, a centre-left together with the Democrat Party uh, as well as the more uh, sort of left-wing uh, uh, party um, on the one hand. And then there will obviously still be a sort of fringe uh, anti-establishment five-star uh, movement. 
um, that at the moment sort of heeds more to the Alessandro Di Battista uh, and a number of other parliamentarians that left the Five Star Movement as a result of the emergence of the Draghi government, uh, but that essentially represent a fringe. Uh, they don't represent the core of the Five Star Movement, which seems to be making this transition from anti-establishment to establishment. So this is, in a sense, on one end of the spectrum, on the, if you like, the, the left uh, side of the spe political spectrum. And then, of course, it's is what happens to the right. Uh, and here, I think it is perhaps even more consequential to see the extent to which uh, there will be um, a sort of ongoing Europeanization of the League. Um, and, and therefore, a League which abandons the nationalist populist turn that it had taken over the last few years, uh, which, by the way, uh, were, I mean, you know, th this is not the way in which the League once upon a time was. I mean, you know, this was a party that uh, was not an extremist party uh, and that it essentially had sort of roots in uh, the industrial north uh, of the country, which for obvious economic reasons has absolutely no interest in pushing forward a Eurosceptic political agenda. So the question is, to what extent uh, is the emergence uh, of the Draghi government uh, and the fact that obviously it has the support uh, of the League, to what extent it's going to, uh, again, accelerate and consolidate uh, a move back uh, of the League away from its anti-establishment populist Eurosceptic turn of the last few years uh, and towards, uh, again, a more establishment uh, centre-right end of the political spectrum. So kind of, you know, putting these two together, uh, I think it will be interesting to see the extent to which um, the Draghi government, uh, the, the political impact of the Draghi government on the political system itself is going to be one of enabling, in a sense, Italy to sort of come the fourth circle, you know, having moved uh, for a while away from a classic left-right division of the political spectrum towards a, a sort of establishment, anti-establishment, uh, divided the political spectrum, and then looping back towards a more traditional uh, uh, sort of definition of the political uh, system in, you know, sort of dividing a centre-left and a centre-right with, in a sense, fringe parties uh, to the extreme left and to the extreme right, uh, but that do not really garner a majority of, of, of public support. And Natalie, what will Draghi's priorities be? Do we know much about his agenda and do you think Draghi will succeed in carrying out reforms? Well, on Draghi's priorities, um, to an extent they're very clear and to an extent they're not very clear at all. Uh, so on, on one sort of very obvious level, uh, it is clear that the main priority that this government will have is going to be that of coming up with a good resilience and recovery plan and ensuring that the money is well spent. Uh, and that in and of itself implies a number of things, beginning with um, the fact that obviously one main priority is going to be uh, climate action and energy transition. Uh, it is going to be about infrastructure, about digital, uh, and I would say about education as another main pillar. And alongside all of this, I think public uh, administration reform is also going to feature quite prominently, given that, as we know, one, if not the main problem uh, in this country uh, is the fact that, you know, at times 
uh, laws and rules and, and policies are, are passed and, and, and established, but, but then they don't end up being implemented because uh, of the intricacies of, of Italian bureaucracy. So it's, I would say that public administration reform is going to be another important feature. So th this far, I would say we, we know. Uh, but getting into the sort of finer uh, details of this, um, it remains still very much to be seen because so far, uh, Draghi has been extremely careful and I would say quite quite skillful in keeping his cards uh, very close to his chest. Uh, so exactly the way in which he will interpret these priorities remains very much to be seen. And Luigi, what do you think Draghi's prospects are? Can he succeed? Um, I think essentially, first of all, a lot will depend on, uh, on how the pandemic evolves in the sense that if the vaccination campaign picks up speed uh, and if new variants don't emerge and vaccine variants, uh, vaccine resistant variants don't emerge, then this is going to drink, uh, boost Italy's economy and mean that Draghi has more political capital to spend on reforms. But in a more negative scenario of uh, enduring restrictions, then the economy will, will suffer, Draghi will be criticised and probably lose political capital. In terms of, um, of spending the recovery fund, yes, ensuring that money is well spent is clearly the key priority. It's also about making sure that, um, that the money is also spent quickly enough. In the past, Italy has actually been quite slow at spending uh, European money. Um, and on broader reforms, I think... The reality is that at the moment, Draghi has uh, momentum and popularity, but this is, in a sense, a honeymoon period that's likely to, uh, to wane relatively quickly. Um, so he has to act soon. But in any case, I'm not sure how easy it will be to get all the political parties supporting him to agree on the details of reform. So one of his proposed reforms is a, a reform of the tax system. And here... You know, the general aim is that of lowering income taxes on, uh, on lower and middle incomes. And this implies higher taxes on others, as well as perhaps on capital and property, which, which are going to be quite controversial with some parties in his, in his coalition. And more broadly, I'd say that reforms such as that of the, of the public administration that Natalie mentioned, but also of the, of the civil justice system, uh, are about implementation and take a lot of time. And some of them are also uh, not only about money, but also about uh, culture change, hiring changes, and, and perhaps in some cases also generational change. As a final challenge, I'd also mention that it's unclear how long Draghi can, uh, can remain in power for or how long he will remain in power for. In theory, we don't, he could last until uh, the next election in, in 2023. But there's no guarantee that, uh, that the political parties will support him for that long or that he would want to serve that long. I mean, I'm tempted to think he will last until then, but it's not a, it's not a certainty. And Luigi, what impact will Draghi have on the EU as Prime Minister? I think uh, Draghi will be um, you know, good for Italy and good for the EU. Uh, in, in terms of, of personality, the fact that he's uh, a well-known figure uh, and very authoritative means that his, uh, he will be taken very seriously and will be uh, an important voice in uh, steering the EU away from, uh, from a 
too quick a return to austerity, perhaps towards a reform of, a, of its fiscal rules. But leaders are still going to be subject to, to national constraints uh, and, and might also think that Draghi won't be around for very long. So I think ultimately what will matter most for his impact at the European level are, uh, are his results in Italy. So if he succeeds in starting out some reforms and um, spending the recovery money well in ways that maximize potential growth, then this will dilute uh, concerns that the recovery fund is, uh, is a waste of money. Is, uh, uh, you know, and this would potentially then pave the way for, for greater stimulus and for a change in the Eurozone's rules. And I think here, you know, we should recall that the stimulus enacted by the EU remains much smaller than that enacted by the US, for example, where there are even uh, concerns about too much stimulus overheating the economy. Uh, uh, just the final point is that the reverse is also true in the sense that if Draghi is perceived as a failure and the recovery fund uh, money is perceived to be badly spent, then uh, this, this would also be... Um, negative for for the EU as a whole. Natalie, it would be great to hear if you have anything to add and if you have any closing comments for our listeners. Whether Draghi succeeds, um, I think, will essentially, well, I think, let me put it this way, that I would measure success in in, in two respects. Um, The first and most important is, you know, will Draghi succeed in uh, spending well the 209 billion uh, that Italy will receive uh, from uh, from the European Union, uh, and it is, I think, a crucially important question. Not only because it will determine Draghi's success in Italy, but because it will determine um, the success of the next generation EU, which obviously is not only of fundamental importance uh, for the European Union to exit uh, the COVID-19 crisis and and the economic repercussions of the COVID-19 crisis, um, but also because it will represent, uh, if it does succeed, uh, a um, key moment in what can be defined as perhaps not a Hamiltonian moment, but a Hamiltonian process uh, along the way to, to a fiscal union. Uh, so I think, you know, the importance of, uh, of his success is fundamental in this respect. I think that uh, there is no guarantee, obviously, that he will succeed, but uh, this is the best chance, uh, the best opportunity that Italy has in order to ensure success. Uh, At the very least, what we know is that under the previous government, it would have probably been a guaranteed failure. And now there is a possibility of success. And uh, if I were to put my bets, I would basically be moderately optimistic. Then I think there's a second uh, dimension of uh, of success, which perhaps has less to do with with policy and and more to do with politics. Uh, And I think it also impacts upon European politics as a whole. Um, and, and and I think that that success uh, really has to do with, with leadership. I mean, the European Union is going to be uh, facing a couple of years in which there are going to be uh, sort of big 
sort of transitions uh, in terms of, uh, of politics and therefore temporary vacuums of leadership to be filled, uh, obviously beginning with uh, a change of leadership in, in Germany and then, of course, uh, the presidential election in, in France. So over the next couple of years, uh, the EU is going to be um, uh, sort of going through a period of, uh, of important transition in terms of leadership and having a successful uh, Italian leadership uh, that at least partly fills that vacuum uh, is going to be crucially important. Can Draghi succeed in this more political respect? Again, I would be uh, moderately optimistic because, uh, of course, he already has proven his credentials. So it's not simply as, for instance, was the case with uh, Matteo Renzi when he came to power, where he came with a big uh, sort of credit, uh, which, uh, but, but that was all to be proven and you know he didn't do a fantastic job in in actually earning that uh, that credit which he dissipated in a matter of uh, of a few uh, months um i think in draghi's case he, not only does he come with a lot of credit but that credit has already been proven uh, so he he does have a, a big advantage uh, compared i would say not only to previous italian leaders but to most leaders full stop huh? because he has already proven his leadership so i think you know on both counts both in terms of of the more policy questions as well as the more political questions uh, i would be uh, relatively uh, optimistic but of course time will will tell thank you very much to you both for your analysis and to natalie for joining us today thank you also to all our listeners Thank you for listening to the CER podcast. If you have any feedback for us or want to leave suggestions for a future episode, then you can find us on Twitter at CER underscore EU.